All right, so initially when we first started talking about this, we were going to do this session on uh, just reviving leadership development from the standpoint of what does it take to develop someone into a leader. And we are going to discuss some of that, but it's going to be more twofold today because most of you guys are not in a leadership capacity right now. And for some of you, there, there are good reasons for that, like maybe you're a baby Christian, um, you know, or you just started coming around, or maybe you're still studying the Bible, trying to figure out if you want a relationship with God. Uh, you know, those are valid reasons that you haven't been able to step up and lead uh, quite yet. But for most of you, the majority of you, I would say, I've seen, I know the guys in our ministry, and I've seen several of you for, what, years now, right? And some of you aren't leading, and it's not for good reasons. Uh, you've been around long enough to, know, to be able to be someone who is mature enough to be able to stand up in the kingdom of God and for other people to look and say, that's a person I respect. That's a, a person I want to be like. I want to be influenced by them. And you should be the kind of person who is walking along, and when you look behind you, there are people following you. That's what a leader does. They influence people. But for whatever reason, many of you have not become that. And uh, some of that falls on your shoulders, and some of it probably falls on our shoulders as campus ministers and, and the leaders that you have. Uh, you know, there's responsibility in, in both ways. We are responsible for making sure we give you what you need, and you're responsible for responding in such a way that allows you to grow and mature and to step into leadership. And so today, we're going to kind of talk about both of those things, both sides of that, where uh, where the, what the leaders need to be doing and also what you need to be doing to be able to be developed. Uh, but before we jump into necessarily that part of the session, it's, it's something that's, the, the principles will all be things you have heard in that, but I want to talk first about four uh, development roadblocks, four leadership development roadblocks, because I really do believe, generally speaking, most of you should be much further along than what you are. You know, I, I know you guys pretty well. And I, and I truly, honestly believe that there has been some retardation of the growth process in your relationship with God. And the first thing that I think that you need to understand is that I will never lead if I am prideful and arrogant. Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. You see, one of the, the, the greatest pitfalls is whenever you think about wanting to be a leader, you know, I've had people over the years come and say to me, I want to be a leader, I want to be a leader, I want to be a leader, which the Bible says, you know, certain leadership positions, they're not something bad to desire, but what you have to ask yourself is why you are desiring the, the, the influence that you say that you want. Is it because you look and you feel like it's going to make you look good because you want to be the person that everyone comes to and, and it, you feel like it's going to fulfill you? And you think it's going to be fun? Or is it, because it's not, I'm going to tell you that first of all, and there are moments that are fun, but generally speaking, it's not all fun and games. Or is it because you look and you say, I need to make sure that I'm the kind of person who is influencing people to become more like Jesus, and in doing so, I need to make sure I am the man I need to be. You see, what happens is we get very prideful, and we think that, that our ability to lead people is based upon the, the things that we have within us. I, I, I should be able to lead people because I can get up in front of people and I can speak well. I should be able to lead people because I'm articulate, because I'm intelligent, because I bring more people to cross chat than anybody else, because blah, 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 and you fill in the blank, and we start thinking those are the things that we look for in someone who should be leading, and it's about what we are able to offer God. 
And we forget whenever you look at the, into the Word of God, the people who God is able to use are the people who are broken, who are beat down, and who have been humbled. And we get arrogant and we think we know so much that we never learn anything, so we never become leaders because we already know it all. And some of you are sitting around and you're frustrated with your, your campus ministers or your leaders because you're like, man, I've been around, I should be leading, I should be doing that, I should be one up front, I should be leading a small group, I should be, you know, leading a cross-chat lesson, I should be doing these things. And, you have, and you're looking at it for, um, from all the wrong motives and perspectives, and you're frustrated, and you, but you think you already know it all. And the reason you're not leading is because your leaders are looking and you're saying, you're not even humble enough for me to be able to teach you what you truly need to learn in order to be able to lead. And you argue, and you, are, and you know, when you're confronted with things, you don't respond well. Whenever you're, you're pushed to grow in certain areas, you, get, you, get, you buck up, and you get frustrated, and you defend yourself all the time, and you wonder why you're not leading. But with humility comes wisdom, and guess what? With wisdom comes influence. When people are able to look at your life and they're able to see that you have wisdom, that you make good decisions, you help other people make good decisions, that you're deep in the Word of God, when you're doing those things and you've gained that wisdom, those things the Bible says that come from humility, that's when people look at you and say, all right, I can follow that person. One of the things in, the, in our campus ministry that we're really trying to do is making sure that when we do put someone into a place of leadership, that it's not simply a title because a title brings about a pride and an arrogance. But whenever I look at their men in our campus ministry who I can see men following them already and they don't have a title, those are the kind of men I want to put into leadership because they didn't need the title to understand that they were supposed to be a person of influence. Those are the kinds of men that I want leading in my ministry because pride is a roadblock to you developing into the kind of leader that you need to be. The second thing is, is that you will never lead if you are constantly distracted by the world. Some of you guys want to lead, and, and some of you guys, you know, I run into you guys at, at family vacation. I, I know some of you from here, but I watch your Facebooks. I don't watch them. I'm not a stalker, I guess. I, I see your Facebooks. I see your social media. I'm for sure. I definitely don't stalk your ugly mug. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I see, I see your social media, and I see the things that we, we're involved in, the things we think about, and there are so many things that Satan will try to distract us with and pull us off of course, and it's very easy, easy for us to love the world but still desire leadership, and we wonder why we don't have it when we're loving the world more than we're loving God, more than we're loving the body, more than we're loving the lost. And when you look at, at 1 John 2.15, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Tell me how you're going to lead if the love of the Father isn't in you. If you're loving the world and the distractions and the things you're being pulled aside from, how are you going to love God? How are you going to love people in a way that you're going to positively impact their lives? It's not going to happen. We get distracted by the jobs, by the grades, by the girls, by the, all the things that pull us aside. And we're, and we're like, but I want to lead. No, you don't. You want all of these other things. You just think you want to lead. Because the things that you're treasuring and the things that you're valuing, it's showing up in the way that you spend your money, the way you spend your time, the way you spend your conversations. That's how you know what someone really loves. And when you love God above the world, it's easy for people to see and they're like, that's somebody I can follow. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. By that testing, you may discern what is the will of God, 
what is good and acceptable and perfect. We've got we've to look and, and realize that God tells us what's important. God tells us what matters. We get caught up, even, you know, even with some of the stuff we talked about this morning with race. I see some of the posts from people in, in some of our campus ministries and the response that they, that they have. And they love the world's opinions on how to deal with things more than they love the word of God. And we start thinking that the world's philosophies are something so good and we're so distracted by them. We don't even realize we're being ungodly, yet we want to be leaders. We're conforming to the pattern of the world rather than the pattern of Christ. And we're frustrated because we're not leading. You see, we've got to examine ourselves and say, man, am I not leading because I, is it because I'm prideful? If it is, talk to your, your small group leaders, your campus ministers. What do I need to do to be humble? What do I need to do to change this? Am, is it because I'm distracted by the world and I'm so caught up in everything but the things that are eternal? Is that what it is? To show me where it's at because I want to change it. I want to develop it because you're never going to lead if you're prideful. You're never going to lead if you're so distracted by the world, and you're also never going to lead if you're complacent. You're never going to lead if you're lazy and complacent. It won't happen. You may be given a title leadership, but you will never influence people being lazy and complacent because no one looks at that guy and says, man, that's so cool. He's been the same exact person for 25 years. Let me follow him. That's not what people want. That's not what they're longing to be. Hebrews 6, 11, and 12, it says this, And now I want each of you to extend the same intensity toward a full-bodied hope and keep it until the finish. Don't drag your feet. Be like those who stay the course with committed faith, and they get everything promised to them. He says, listen, you're not going to do it dragging your feet. You're not going to do it being okay with being the man that you were yesterday. If you want to be someone who leads, it's going to take work, and it's going to take a passion and a fire in your gut that says, I want to be more, because that's the kind of people that people follow. They follow the person that's like, I know we're right here right now, but that way, way down there, that's where we want to be, and I'm going to do everything I can to get to that point. I'm going. Anybody coming with me? Those kind of people look behind them, and they've got a, a, a parade of people marching behind them towards a great vision. But some of you are like, all right, we're going to do this. We're going to stay the same that we've always been. Let's go. Who's with me? And you're like, where'd they all go? And they're following some guy who became a Christian three years later than you did because you've been sitting around on your rear, not growing in your relationship with God, and you've been happy with where you're at rather than being excited about where God wants you to be. We are never going to be leading people if we're complacent and lazy. And the fourth one that we're going to talk about, and we could, talk, we could do roadblocks all day, but I didn't want to end on a negative you know, note in a sense, but... The, the last one I want to talk about is you will never lead if you're a negative person. If you are negative, you are not going to lead because people don't like negativity. If you are that person who always has to run your mouth about what's not, what is not good about something, if you're the person who always wants to start some stupid argument with people, no one is going to follow you. Always got a jab, always got a, a, a dig to make about something. People are so excited about something, you're like, yeah, but, and you list off this thing that whatever it is that you feel about it because you like being that person who agitates people by being negative, no one is going to follow you. 
Remember, remember the spies that went into Canaan? How, what, what, how many were there that were positive? How many were negative? Who got followed? You see, here's the deal. They go in and they look and they're like, oh, no, we can't do it. It's not going to happen. No one wants to rally behind that kind of negative spirit. They don't. People want to rally behind someone who looks at what God has done in the past and what he's doing in their lives and know what he can do in the future. They want to follow people who are like, yeah, that that wall seems impenetrable. It doesn't seem like that wall could ever fall. But guess what? God can take it down because I've seen it, and it's going to happen again. Let's do it. Women don't want to follow a man who's like, well, I don't know. Let's list off all the reasons it probably isn't going to work out. And if, if you find a woman that's actually attracted to that, I feel bad for you because you're going to have a miserable life being married to somebody like that. We need to be finding people. We need to be men who people can look to and say, that person knows what God can do, and they're going to go follow God's dreams, and they're not going to nitpick, and they're not going to, you know, they're not going to always have something to say. They're not always going to be complaining. Some of us, we go, you go on retreats or you go to cross chats, you go to different places. You're, you're the constant nagger and the complainer who's always got something to say. Oh, man, you know, this wasn't good enough and we didn't do this. Well, we should have done it that way. And, man, you know, there's no, we're not getting enough to eat. There's no manna from heaven. We, we were better off back under the slavery in Egypt. That's what you sound like sometimes. And let me tell you something, you're never going to lead doing that, and not only that, but you're going to depress your leaders doing that. It's frustrating. You know, you think about it, the Bible says that, you know, you should be doing everything you can to make your leader and their responsibility to make it a joy and not a burden for them. And negative people are just stacking bricks on top of their leadership all the time. And if we're, if we're prideful, if we're distracted by the world, if we're lazy and we're complacent and we're negative people, no one will ever follow us and we will never lead anyone anywhere, at least anywhere good. We have got to reevaluate those areas of our lives and ask ourselves the difficult questions. Because God longs to use every guy in here. God is capable of raising up every single guy in here. I've seen God use guys that we I would have never picked myself. And I see him raise up and God use him to do great things. Because that's what he's in the business of doing. But he only is able to use those who are going to allow him to use them. So we need, to, we need to have some self-examination that's taking place within our lives and asking where we're at for, for you leaders as you're looking at future leaders, who you're going to raise up, who your interns are going to be, who you're developing. You need to be looking at these things and asking yourself, is this the kind of person who is going to be prideful and arrogant or are they going to be humble and listen and grow more wise? Is this the kind of person I don't have to worry about being distracted by the world and drug away by some enticing thing? Is this the kind of person who's not going to be complacent but they're going to constantly be coming and learning and growing and saying, "What do I need to do next? Where do we need to go next?" You know, are they going to be the kind of person who's going to be a positive impact on my ministry to where they're like, "We can do this. We've got this. Let's go." And they're a cheerleader for our ministry or are they going to be dragging us down? by their negativity 
if we can get on top of those areas, you'll be amazed at how far God is able to take the men in your ministries into leadership. But, but we really need to examine those things. All right, so let, let's, let's move on beyond those roadblocks for a moment and just talk about to raise up leaders, what does it take? Now, these things, this is to raise up leaders. For some of you leaders, these are things that you need to understand, and we've talked about these throughout the weekend already, a lot of these. And you, there's lots of books that contain these very, very same principles. Most leadership books, in a, would, would, especially uh, Christian leadership books, are going to contain these things. But these are things you need to be doing. For those of you who need to rise up to leadership, you also need to understand Jesus' development plan because you have to decide if you're going to be a part of it or not. Leaders, you've got, to dec- you've got to understand this is what you're going to have to do to develop leaders. The rest of you, you need to be asking, am I willing to be a part of this? Am I willing to do what it takes for my, for my more mature, wise brothers and sisters in Christ to raise me up to leadership? And the first thing is, is that I, I, you have to choose to lead. And you have to choose to follow. For you leaders out there, you've got to make a decision that says, not only am I going to carry a title of leadership, but I am going I'm going to choose to actually lead people, to be an influencer of people. I'm going to do the job that has been given to me, and I'm going to lead these people. I'm not just going to sit around and not allow them to be undeveloped. I'm going to develop people. For the rest of you, you have to decide that you are going to be someone who is going to follow. You see, Jesus, that's what he did. When you look at Luke chapter 6 and and Mark chapter 3, we don't have time to go to all these verses, but when you look at those chapters, he chose a few faithful people. They were available and they were teachable. I know there was a whole lesson on teachability, I think, uh, who taught that? Jake and Katie, just this last session, right? And, and. You know, he, he found people who were going to be faithful, who were going to be available, and they were going to be people who would be teachable. And, and they, weren't any, they weren't special. They weren't these scholars. They didn't have special talents. They were ordinary men who he could take and he could shape and he could mold into leaders. And he didn't spread himself too thin either, either leaders. He looked at the people and said, these are the people who are going to be faithful, available, and teachable. These are the men that I'm going to develop. Leaders, you need to identify those men. And this isn't to say you ignore everybody else in your group or your ministry. But you need to find those people. You look at Jesus' pattern. I've had people get mad at me at conferences before for saying that you should have specific people you're focused on more than others. If you, if you don't like that, that's fine. Jesus did it, so take it up with him. Because he, he had a, a group of 72 that he worked with in general, right? And then he had a group, and then you narrow that down. He had a group of 12 who he had much, much, much more time with, right? And then he had a group of three who were even more inner core to what he was doing. And you see the way that he developed them show up in the impact they have on the world. Leaders, you need to narrow down the people in your ministry who are going to be those people for you who are going to be faithful, they're going to make themselves available, and they're going to be humble enough to be t- taught. You need to find those people and develop them. For the rest of you guys who aren't leading, you don't want to get left in the dust and sitting there not doing anything in the kingdom of God, then be faithful. Be available and be teachable, and your leaders will see that in your life by the fruit that shows up in the things that you do. They are going to grab you, and they are going to walk alongside and walk with you and make sure that you're being developed. But i got to choose to actually to, to do the steps necessary to lead people, and the people who are being led have to choose whether or not they're going to follow. 
You see, the second thing is that I have to be with my people. This is the principle of association. I must be with my people. And for the, those of you who aren't leading, you got to be with your leaders. He devoted time to him, even in the midst of the ministry, to the masses of people that he was teaching. He found time to devote to training and developing these men. He, he spent time with them. And he did it in all sorts of situations. And he used everyday situations to make sure that they were learning the necessary lessons for them to lead. He called them to be with him, to follow him. They were to associate with one another, to develop a relationship. Leaders, you need to have a relationship with these men that you're trying to develop. If you want to be a leader, followers, if you want to be a leader... You need to develop a relationship with someone who is farther along the road than what you are. And that's not to say you don't have relationships with each other, but you need to have an older brother who is more mature who can develop you. And you need to spend time with them. And it can be spending time. I've done. We, I, I've probably had more deep conversations hitting the clearance aisles at Target with people than anywhere else. See? <clears throat> <laughs> you know, it's, it's that time that you spend going and doing things with people. You, it's a relational. Leaders, spend time with your people. Love up on them. Every, those conversations. I even think like, you know, when, you know, Ryan's been helping build my house. You know, and we've gotten to spend time together. It's cool because one minute we'll be talking about the house. The next minute we'll be talking about mountain biking. The next minute we're like, hey, what do I do with this guy in my cell? You know, and that's the way it, it, that's the way it should be. We're doing life together, and we're learning, and we're growing through that process. The third thing is I must impress upon them, leaders, you must impress upon the people you are leading that they have got to be obedient to the standards of Jesus. This is consecration. It's pulling people aside, pulling them out of one thing and saying, this is what you're committing to being. You have got to make it clear what they are turning, what they are um, signing up for I guess in a sense he called Jesus called him to obedience to obey the very things that he said he said listen you're going to turn away from sin and all the things you're doing and you're going to have to sacrifice your own personal desires and your interests and you're going to have to turn around and you're going to have to follow me and you're going to have to obey me you see he didn't call them to commit to just like a doctrine or a program he called them to commit to him to a life change Leaders, you need to call your people and hold your men to high standards. Followers, you need to make sure that you understand that that's what, when you were baptized into Christ, this is what you said you were going to do. And you need to recommit yourself to that because no one can take you to the, to the next level. No one can help you become an influencer of people, a leader of people, if you haven't committed to the things that it takes to get there. And that's being like Jesus and obeying his word. You've been, you've been called to a great purpose, but you've got to, there's, there's a road map to get there, and part of it has to do with you coming into obedience of Christ. You can't expect to lead in God's kingdom, yet, yet disobey his law. Leaders, we need to te- do a better job of teaching our people what God's word says and what it means. The rest of us, You guys need to really get serious about finding that out and being taught that and committing to it.
And when you do that, you're going to be surprised at where it takes you. See, I have to choose to lead, and I have to choose to follow. I have to choose to be with my people. I have to choose to spend time with my leaders. I have to impress upon them the standards that they've been called to live. I have to commit to those if I'm trying to follow. And, and I, obviously, one of the things, let me say this first of all. I want you to understand, when I'm saying leaders, you need to do this, followers, you need to do that, what you need to understand as followers is the reason I'm able to say, hey, leaders, you need to do this is because they've already done the things that I'm saying you need to do. Does that make sense? They've already done these things. That's why they're leading. That's why they're more mature. That's why they're deeper in God's word is because the very things I'm telling you you need to do, they've already done. So they're not exempt from having to do those things before, and they're not exempt from doing them now because even the ones who are leading you now, they should be following someone as well. They need to have someone who's developing them still too. I just want to make that clear so it doesn't seem like this is like just this hierarchy thing because that's not the way it works. We're all in process. All right? Okay. The fourth thing, I must commit to giving it all. This is impartation. You see, Jesus, what he did when he came is that he gave himself to them and for them. And, and the foundation for their relationship with him was his love and his self-denial. The fact that he was willing to come here and sacrifice everything to be with them. He was giving them everything. Even before the cross, he had given up where he was at the right hand of God, and he had come to earth into this junky body that he wasn't used to being in. He was giving it all to them. He lived, he lived discipleship before them every single day of their lives. And there was no limit to his love or what he was willing to do for the people who were following him. You know, his commitment and his love to them that was what was one of the things that motivated them to want to be like him. Leaders, if we are not giving our lives, laying our lives down for the people that we are leading, if they don't feel that we're that committed to them, that we are giving our lives to helping them grow and develop and be the men of God they need to be, how can we expect them to really buy into this and follow us anywhere? As leaders, we need to make sure that we are doing a good job of giving ourselves to the people we're trying to help develop. We need to be living what we're asking them to do. I know most of your leaders, followers. I know most of them. And I can tell you, I believe, in general, that's what you get. I believe that's what you're getting. And it's time to have some gratitude for what Jesus has done for you and for what your leaders do for you. Because it is not an easy job. And you need to look at the example that they're setting for you. The fact that they're willing to, when something comes up and you need them, that they're going to be there. You know, the fact that they're willing to sacrifice their time, their energy, their money, their effort. The, the fact that they open up their homes to you. The fact that they open up their families to you. You need to recognize that they're doing that because they love God and they love you. But the third reason they are doing that is because they want to impart that into your life. You know, one of the, the things that's cool for me is watching is people graduate from the campus ministry and they go up to be small group leaders in our adult ministry. And I get to watch you guys like, you know, Juan, or I get to watch RJ with the teens, or I get to watch uh, Bubba Williams and, this, and their small group. And I get to watch these guys who were imparted some things through the, the high school ministry, the campus ministry. I get to go watch them pour those things back in to the next ministries and then develop people to do the same things. We have to give ourselves... To one another. We give ourselves to Christ, but we're also called to give ourselves to one another. And when we do that, 
Leaders, you will develop you will develop more new leaders. Followers, you will become leaders when you realize that's what's being done for you and you start reciprocating that. What's what, Real quick, what time is that? I don't have anything up here to... Okay. What time did I start? All right. Cool. We're good. Um, so I, I've got to choose to lead and I have to choose to follow. I have to choose to spend time and be with my people or my leaders. I have to impress upon and... and commit to the standards that God has given me. I have to commit to giving it all and imparting myself to people and, and, and reciprocating that. And then I need to, sh I, as leaders, you need to show people how to do things. Sometimes as leaders, and I'm guilty of this myself, we want to tell someone, go do this. And then when they go and screw it up, we're frustrated with you, right? Anybody, have you guys ever experienced this with your leader? Where they're like, go do this. And then you do it, and they're like, why'd you do it that way, <laughs> right? And, and you're like, I didn't know how to do it. <laughs> Leaders, we, we need to tell people how to do things, but we also need to show them how to do it. We have to show them what to do. When you look at Jesus' ministry, he would tell them things and teach them things, but he also showed them by what he did how they were supposed to act. And, and for those of you who are following, you need to be paying attention. One of the reasons sometimes it's frustrating for a leader, too, is because they have shown you, and they're like, okay, now you go do this. And you go out, and you totally ignore everything that you've seen done, and you're like trying to reinvent the wheel, and you're like, well, I was going to try it this new way. The reason we did it the old way is because it works. All right? That's why we did it that way. You know, it, it's so frustrating. You, the principles... The principles that made the first century church effective are the principles that will make our century's church effective. You don't have to reinvent everything. Yeah, you may tweak some things or the approach of it, but generally speaking, what worked then is what's going to work now. If your leaders are showing you something, pay attention so that you can learn to reproduce those things. He taught them by showing them. You know, they, they were teachers endeavoring to be like their students. That's what a disciple is. It's an apprentice who goes, and uh, RJ works at the, the trade school, the union school for carpentry. And whenever people come in, RJ, is it frustrating when you tell them what to do and they don't do it? Is it more frustrating when you show them and they still don't do it that way? Of course it is. But whenever they get it, that's when you're like, oh, you know, and that's when you get to start understanding when they can repeat that. That's when you know they're ready to go on to the next thing. That's when eventually they start getting they start getting raises, right? You can start depending upon them more. Someday they're going to be foremen. They're going to run the crews. They're going to because they've learned by by watching what what you do. They they watched Jesus pray. They asked him and they listened and they watched and he taught them how to pray so that they would be able to pray in an effective manner. They watched him go out and care for the sick and the broken and the hurt. They watched him interact with the Gentiles that no Jew should have been interacting with. So when they're called to do that in the future, guess what they do? They follow his example. Even though it's difficult. You need to show leaders what needs to be done. And you guys need to be watching your leaders and learning what needs to be done. Next, I must entrust responsibility to people. This is hard because, once again, sometimes you entrust something to someone and they drop the ball, right? 
I, one of my favorite movies when I was younger was the movie The Program, and I've talked about this before. You guys remember the movie The Program, the football movie? How many of you guys have seen it? Uh, must you young bucks. Uh, anyway, so there's a running back, and he fumbles the ball a lot. And so the, the coach is like, basically he's like, i got to figure out how to get this guy to stop dropping the ball. And so he makes him carry this football around campus as they go to school. And if one of the other players sees him on campus – he, they, like, try to knock the ball out of his hands and recover it, and he's going to get in trouble if he doesn't hold on to this ball. So everywhere he goes on campus, he's like, they'll be sitting in a lecture, and, like, there will be a player behind him, and he'll reach up, and he flicks the ball out, and it goes rolling down the steps. And you see all these football players in this, crash, in this class crashing down the steps to get the ball because this guy kept dropping the ball, and the coach was like, something has to change. Something has to change. It's difficult to give people responsibility when your fear is they're not going to follow through. But leaders, if we don't entrust people with those responsibilities, we never have the opportunity to teach them how not to drop the ball the next time. And so we have to entrust people and allow them that responsibility. For some of you guys who are following, stop dropping the ball all the time. Figure it out, guys. Come on. You have leaders who are dying to be able to trust you with something, and they put something in your hands, and before they can turn around to walk off, the ball's already hit the ground. We, we, I, I'm speaking for my campus ministry and probably every other ministry in here. I need, we need, the kingdom needs you guys to hold on to the ball. We need you to step up. We want to entrust you with responsibility. We want to know that you're going to follow through. You are capable of doing it. Let's do a better job. Jesus entrusted them with the responsibilities. All right, here you go. I want you to go do this. Take care of this. Go out in twos. Go, take, go out to this area. Teach this. Heal. Do, you know, and they would come back. They would report. If, you know, and if, if everything went great, it's a celebration, right? You're like, yeah, you did a great job with that. I'm so glad I gave you that responsibility. Thank you so much. You drop the ball. It's, it's a chance for Jesus and, or for your leader to look and say, all right, well, why did that happen? Why did you not do this? Well, didn't I tell you to try this? Yeah, well, why didn't you? because I'm prideful, you know, whatever the reason is, and you learn your lesson so that the next time you're entrusted with a responsibility, you carry the ball to the touchdown. But we've got to be people who are, are more responsible with the ball, and we need to entrust you guys more. We need to delegate things to you all. This next thing is I must critique. Guys, this is that part I was talking about. Leaders, your people need feedback. One of the most frustrating things for people, uh, one of the guys who's on staff here, his name's Craig, one of the bosses that he used to have uh, <clears throat> in his field, he hated working for him because he never knew if he was doing good or not. Because his boss would never give him any feedback. He would never critique him. As leaders, we have to understand if we want our people to be developed, it takes some, some critiquing. It takes us saying, hey, like, I'm glad you did that, but next time let's do it this way, and here's why. And showing them the reasons that they shouldn't have done what they did and how it would have worked out better had they tried this, and it gives them feedback in order to be able to change. For you guys who are following, stop being so stinking defensive like a little kid who wants to pout when you're critiqued. 
it makes it hard for us to want to come to you and say, hey, like you should. Sometimes you can be so gentle with somebody. And you can be like, hey, you know, I feel like I'm talking to my seven-year-old sometimes when I'm talking to men. I'm like, hey there, little buddy. Like maybe you think next time you might maybe just kind of want to try to do... Okay. And I'm like, dude, what is wrong with you? You know, you got hangy down parts. Act like a man about this and let's learn from it. Let's learn. Let's not be children. Let's be men. Let's let's be men and let's be able to take some criticism. Why are we so insecure? We're so insecure that we can't have the littlest critique without falling apart. And I know, and I'm not being funny when I don't mean to sound like crass. Some of you have daddy issues in here. Most of you probably do. Because your dads weren't there and weren't what they needed to be. But the men of God's kingdom want to be that for you. You've longed for it your whole life. So when they step in and they try to teach and critique you, stop getting so upset with them because that's what you've been wanting for so long. Let's be men. Let's be... Let's be teachable let's be critiquable because that's that's how we become better men and finally i must send them out you know one of the coolest things about what we're doing at the crossings i feel like is sending out the church plants it's exciting but i don't necessarily like it (laughs) all right and i want to make this clear i do but i don't love the fact of what we're doing I love the fact that it expands the kingdom of God, but you don't like sending out your best people every three years to go on a church plant for multiple reasons. One, it makes ministry much more difficult. Sending out a church plant of 33 people and having 27 of them who are one in the campus ministry, a chunk of them who are still a part of the campus ministry and are your key leaders, you know, in 2014 was difficult. Taking another, how many, Jake, are going from campus? Another 12, several of which who are leading or were interns, and sending them out in 2017 doesn't seem so fun to me in a sense. Because it's going to mean a lot more work. I'm going to miss my friends. I'm not going to get to see them on a daily basis like I did before. But they need to be sent out because that's how people get developed. That's how other people are found. That's how other people are one to a relationship with God. We've got Leaders, we've got to send people out. And if we're going to send them on teams, we better be doing a good job of sending them out and training them before they go on a team on a daily basis. You guys need to be willing to be sent out by your leaders. What? Why do I need to go to campus tonight? Uh, <laughs> it's too late. No, oh, what? I got to pay $3 to get into the gym. Why do I have to go to the gym up there where all those students are congregating? Waiting to be picked up. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Seriously. Be people who want to be sent out. I get, I, when I picture the apostles, and you know, I've been doing more and more study on the, the, this, and we've talked about it in CMU, I think, before, but they were probably young. They were probably not far off from a lot of your ages. 
And I can just see, I, I know the way some people are. I can just see them being like, Jesus, when do we get to go? When do we get to get? When do we get, you know, and like being ready to go. And I imagine their spirit, they had to have had that kind of spirit at some point if they were able to do in the world what they did. We need you men to have a spirit that says, I want to go. I want to be sent. See, whenever you allow your leaders to choose you and you choose to follow them and you you spend time with your leaders and leaders, when you're spending time with your people and you're impressing upon them the standards of God's word and you're teaching them the word and when you're, you're giving yourself to them and teaching them to give themselves to others and when you're, you're showing them what needs to be done and then you're critiquing it and they're taking the critique and they're learning from it, when you send them out on their own, they are going to be productive. They're going to change the world. But you got some, we all got some decisions, leaders and followers, about what we're going to do and if we're going to apply this, the, the requirements in the development plan that Jesus had, if we're going to put it into place and make it work or not. He is longing to use us, leaders, followers. He is longing to develop you. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to allow him to work in your life? Are you going to allow him to raise you up into the man that he longs for you to be so that you can help other people find a relationship with him? I'm telling you, after 21 years of doing campus ministry, the coolest thing about it is seeing your campus students get older, have families, lead their families to Christ, get involved in ministry, get involved in small groups, have effective small groups at leading other people. This is the most fulfilling thing about doing college ministry. Some of you will never experience that. Some of you will never experience that. Some of you will look at your time that you spent in ministry and you'll wonder if it was worth it or not. But those of you who take seriously Jesus' leadership development plan, those of you who take seriously developing people, those of you who take seriously being developed, you're going to have a lot of really cool stories. And you're going to have a lot of cool memories and you're going to have a great time watching these 18-year-old kids become 35-year-old kids who are changing the world. 